Well, hello, and welcome to The Essentials. I'm James. I'm the pastor of the Freedom Moravian Church and the host of this podcast, where we talk about how our steps can be full of purpose, full of hope as we journey through life together. This past week, we went through the day of ascension in the church calendar, the day Jesus returned to heaven as his disciples looked on. So that's what we reflected on in worship this past Sunday. I want to share with you the scripture passage that we were reflecting on and the message as well. So the passage came from the book of Acts chapter 1, and it was verses 1 through 11. And this is from the Common English Bible. Theophilus, the first scroll I wrote concerned everything Jesus did and taught from the beginning, right up to the day when he was taken up into heaven. Before he was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. While they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He said, This is what you heard from me. John baptized with water, but in only a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Jesus replied, it isn't for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After Jesus said these things as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going away and as they were staring towards heaven, Suddenly, two men in white robes stood next to them. They said, Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward heaven? This Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Here ends the reading of the word. So on the day of ascension, we remember those disciples as they watched Jesus go up and return into heaven after finishing his ministry with them. Or as a meme on Facebook called it, it's the day when Jesus decided to work from home. I said that joke in worship yesterday and didn't get a single laugh. I couldn't believe it. But you can tell the disciples are kind of frozen as this happens. And I think they're frozen because they can't comprehend what their eyes are seeing. Jesus being taken up in a cloud, but also they probably can't quite believe that their time with Jesus is actually over. After all they've been through, is this really it? Especially because according to the disciples, Jesus hasn't even done what they hoped he would do yet. They ask before he goes up, Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now this was pretty high up on what they thought he came to do. Make everything right, bring peace and justice. So Jesus, before you leave, would you mind taking care of that? 
And to this, he says that now isn't the time. They don't get to know when that time will be. And then as he leaves, he sends them back into the world with yet another task. They need to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. They need to continue his ministry, carry his message. They need to help Jesus serve the world until he returns. So as the disciples are frozen, looking up into heaven, waiting for Jesus to return, it's kind of where we find ourselves. We're promised Jesus will come back, but we're called to take care of things in the meantime. The problems of this world, though, often leave us gazing upward and wondering why Jesus won't come and fix things for us. As we see poverty, hunger, violence, and hatred destroy so many lives, and as we see it on such a large scale, we feel helpless. How can we possibly be asked to care for this creation when we're so very small? How can I make a positive impact on the environment? How can I care for someone across the globe? How can I prevent someone from using violence to end another person's life? I am just one person on a planet full of billions of people. And as Jesus sends us out to be his hands and his feet, there are many times when it feels unrealistic to think that we can make a serious difference, especially when we know that Jesus himself could do a far better job than we could ever hope to. But Jesus offers instructions for his disciples as he departs, and I think we should keep them in mind as we tackle the issues we're facing today. So he wants them to change the world, to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, but before they can do that, he says they need to be his witnesses in Samaria. And before getting to Samaria, they need to be his witnesses in all of Judea. And before that, they need to serve and teach in Jerusalem. He tells them to go home. Go to that place that is familiar and known to them. Start there. He's essentially telling them to start small and believe that the Holy Spirit will help them expand this ministry outward. Like throwing a stone into a pond and watching those ripples multiply into widening circles. That's how their work should unfold. To start local. Then go to all of Judea, which is a place still familiar to them, but a larger opportunity. Then go to Samaria a place that they hate, and a place where they will be hated as well. And then keep going until Jesus' word reaches the ends of the earth. And he wasn't telling them to tackle the entire world all at once, but to go back home and trust that their movement will grow and will expand on God's time. So when we see those issues in our world that seem too big, or too complicated. Jesus tells us to be his hands and feet in Jerusalem first. Serve and love locally in a setting and in a context that's familiar to you, 
and have faith that your work will multiply. So what problems can you tackle in your area right now? You could support your local food pantry. You can push back in your relationships when you hear people using hateful or derogatory language. You can be there for programs that fight for justice, equality, and acceptance. There are so many ways that we can be involved in Christ's work of peace and love in a realistic but also effective way. And depending on what speaks to you most, you can follow his instruction to be his witness to the world. But I do think there's one modern issue that we should focus on together, and that is the future of Christ Church. Along with all of those other problems that our society is facing, I think the Christian church is approaching a crossroads of sorts. And unless we reclaim the message and the ministry of Jesus, his church might lose his voice. And I say this wanting to be aware that the experience you have of Christianity is not an experience that's shared by all. There is a version of Christianity that the world assumes to be true, and it varies depending on the congregation. So if you feel afflicted and accepted and loved in your church setting, I celebrate that. But I also ask us to engage with the reality that other Christian voices aren't bringing those sentiments into our world. Because there is a whole entire brand of Christianity right now that is using the Bible as a weapon. That uses their faith as a blanket excuse for their action or their inaction. It's people who claim a strong faith in Jesus who say that only more prayer in school could possibly stop these school shootings. That's the only thing. It's people who claim a strong faith, who say that it's because of their religion that they can't serve someone of a same-sex couple. And it's people who claim to be model Christians that offer their thoughts and prayers instead of making changes and actually serving people, as if a belief in a higher power excuses us from doing any of the work here on earth. There is a loud Christian movement that's pulling the church away from the life and ministry of Jesus. And even though we might not experience it in our congregation or in our setting, that's what other people see. It's what causes people to assume the worst about church first because of the damage done and because of the hate spewed in Christ's name. And we have to correct that trend for the future of the church. And we are approaching a Northern Province Synod in the Moravian Church, our gathering every four years of the congregations in the Northern half of the United States. And the committee that I'm on for our session had our first meeting this past week. 
I'm on the Church and Society Committee. It's where we will discuss the church's voice as it relates to various issues that our country is facing. And the proposals that we have right now are just that, they are proposals. There's no guarantee that we'll make a resolution on them or bring them to the synod floor. But the ones that we have so far, the ones that will be on our desk for synod, they all deal with condemning Christian nationalism, this belief that our country is a solely Christian nation and that it's our government's job to keep it that way. The proposals deal with supporting people of all gender and sexual identities, and they deal with restating our commitment to fight against the systemic racism that plagues our country. Now, those are views that I'm glad our church supports and takes very seriously. It's taking those stances as why I am a Moravian. But at the same time, I'm almost embarrassed that we have to make such statements. We have to make them out of necessity. Because if we don't come out and say very clearly and loudly what we believe and where we stand, people will assume where the church stands and that assumption won't be a pretty one. If we don't say that we aren't Christian nationalists, people will think that we are. If we don't come out and say that we accept all gender and sexual identities, people are going to assume that our church condemns them. And if we don't commit to dealing with racism, people will assume that we live in a world where we don't think racism exists. Energy is needed in our church to actively correct the negative assumptions people have about us. That is how far the Christian name has fallen. And it falls on us to change those perceptions and to reclaim Christianity as the true voice of Jesus. Now that's a tall task, right up there with being Christ's witnesses to the ends of the earth. But Jesus tells us to start small. Start in our own communities to revive the good news of Christ's message. And the hope the love, the acceptance that we find in our own church should be what the world sees. And we can start by making sure that's what people around us see when they look at our faith. And I think the time to be humble, polite, and modest about our faith is over. We have to correct those negative assumptions. We have to challenge Christian teachings that have strayed from the message of Jesus. Maybe that means commenting on a Facebook post that we would normally scroll right by just to keep the peace. Maybe that means confronting a relative or a friend on their views instead of avoiding that tough conversation for the millionth time. Jesus needs us to be engaged in the world to be his witnesses. He needs us to bring his voice back to the table. 
And he needs people to actually feel the hope and the love that he provides when they see his church. And we rejoice to know that that's what we experience in our church setting. But may we work in Jesus' name until that is the Christian experience to the ends of the earth. Amen. I thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. You can find out more about the Freedom Moravian Church through our website, our Facebook page, or our YouTube channel. You can learn more about Moravians in general at moravian.org. So be well, and I will catch you next time.